gang, this week's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. Hey, LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates that you want to talk to faster. Did you know that every week, nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free now at linkedin.com slash good seats. That's linkedin.com slash good seats to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. And now here's our show. A stadium built for baseball just over a decade ago is being redeveloped for a sport often compared to America's pastime. Cricket is moving into the former Airhog Stadium in Grand Prairie and not just at the level played by dozens of teams around North Texas, but Major League Cricket and a home for international matches that could be watched not by millions, but billions. That is a crazy, crazy number. And uh, the flagship where we're going to be first, uh, you know, putting up our flag and announcing USA Cricket to the rest of the world is going to be right here in Grand Prairie. Major League Cricket will expand the stadium over the next year, possibly to 10,000 seats and add two more fields next door. City officials said they would aggressively market the sport, including starting youth leagues and building a local fan base. We, we've got um, a lot of people who are, are from the countries that have supported cricket that have uh, that have moved into our region. That was part of why the world's second most watched sport landed here, beating out Houston for a Texas location. The co-founder of the league said there are already a quarter million fans in the region. The growth of uh, cricket fans in Dallas has probably been the highest in the nation. Turning all this into a cricket stadium is part of a plan to build more interest in the sport in the U.S. over the next 10 years. The Pro League is expected to start playing here in 2022. In Grand Prairie, Jason Allen, CBS 11 News. Welcome to Good Seats Still Available, a curious little podcast devoted to exploring what used to be in professional sports. Here's your host, Tim Hanlon. Well, hello. Welcome, welcome, and welcome, my friends. Uh, it is uh, yet another edition of Good Seats Still Available. Yes, our little weekly sojourn, if you will, into what used to be in professional sports. A topic this week that uh, we have been long uh, eager to get into. Uh, we have found an excuse and uh, we think it opens the door to a, a Pandora's box down the road uh, of intrigue. It is uh, the sport of cricket, which I know may generate the sound of crickets uh, for some traditional North American sports fans. But I, I uh, truly encourage you to uh, stick with this episode this week. You will learn a lot as I did. Our pal Steve Holroyd is back, uh, the armchair uh, amateur historian uh, extraordinaire, has uh, moved his uh, sights this year towards uh, the sport of cricket, and uh, not a minute too soon, frankly. Uh, it's a story that we've been uh, trying to kind of dig into uh, behind the scenes with some uh, original players, if you will, uh, behind the launch of uh, the first real attempt of a uh, professional league in this country for cricket. Uh, it happened back in 2004. It was called Pro Cricket. Great name. It lasted only a season, uh, but it was a, a legit attempt uh, to um, uh, glom on to the uh, new, at the time, uh, exciting format of 2020 or T20 cricket, uh, sort of a condensed and uh, more modernized approach to the uh, sometimes four or five day long test cricket or full day uh, uh, match uh, approaches to uh, to the sport um, that came about uh, that sort of 2020 or T20 uh, version uh, in uh, 20 I think it was 2003 
or so, or 2002, 2003 or so, when that uh, kind of formally got uh, launched in a couple of different parts of the of the world, and now is frankly the most popular version of it professionally. Yeah, the test matches and all that kind of stuff still exist on the international front, but but the the pro league thing in New Zealand and uh, in Australia and in India for sure for sure the India uh, Indian Premier League is just gigantically popular. Uh, it's NFL times uh, two, I think, uh, if you want to sort of put it in American terms. Um, the uh, T Twenty uh, format is uh, is exploded uh, further the popularity of the sport, and in two thousand four. Um, uh, you had, uh, an earnest attempt. Uh, it was in eight different markets in the United States. Uh, you will be forgiven if you never saw it or heard about it. Cause it was barely covered by the, shall we call it mainstream, uh, sports press, but, uh, Staten Island, New York had a franchise, the New Jersey fire in Bridgewood, Bridgewater, New Jersey had a franchise, uh, DC actually in Bowie, Maryland, uh, the Florida thunder in Homestead. Florida, uh, Chicago out in Schaumburg, Illinois, uh, had a franchise Kizar stadium in San Francisco hosted a team called the San Francisco freedom LA or, or really San Bernardino had a franchise and, and yes, in Texas, in Houston, actually at the university of Houston's Cougar field, uh, they also hosted a franchise and it was eight teams, um, was covered on the dish network. Uh, and, um, it, uh, we'll get into this story with Steve Holroyd in just a few moments as to what was good. And unfortunately what, uh, brought it to, uh, its demise, maybe a little too early and maybe ahead of its time, this pro cricket thing, uh, in 2004 and a fascinating table set for what is to come. Uh, and this is our, arguably why we're kind of getting into it now, uh, for those who uh, have not been paying attention, um, in 2023, the summer of next year, the launch of Major League Cricket, the sort of second real attempt. And if you've been following the story a little bit, uh, and our little clip there at the uh, at the outset of the show here gives you a little bit of semblance of what's going on. Uh, the, uh, the, the money behind this uh, Major League Cricket to debut next year is already uh, working its wonders uh, and already underway. Uh, there is a, a pretty robust minor league cricket system already in place with games and matches and teams and a grassroots effort, if you will. And it, 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 interestingly, very similar to a sport that uh, Steve and I have known for for some time, that of soccer. And I'm going to borrow the phrase that Major League Soccer has been using, a cricket-specific stadium. Yeah, the first of its kind, really, dedicated to this new league is already underway. And that's a clip from... Um, uh, KTTV, excuse me, KTVT television, CBS DFW, that the Dallas-Fort Worth uh, CBS-owned and operated station. Jason Allen with the story from November of 2020. Uh, he alludes to the league starting this year. Obviously, it's been pushed back uh, to next year. But uh, Air Hogs Stadium in Grand Prairie, Texas, of all places. Yeah, in suburban Dallas-Fort Worth. I think it's somewhat betwixt Dallas and Fort Worth, uh, kind of closer to Arlington, actually. Uh, is a converted or soon to be converted or in the midst of being converted minor league baseball stadium. And interestingly, pro cricket in 2004 uh, uh, largely uh, was played in minor league baseball stadiums. So it's a very interesting sort of scenario there. And, and we all know how main, uh, minor league baseball has been contracted by major league baseball. And, and perhaps there are some other uh, minor league baseball stadiums that might also uh, be uh, intrigued by the idea of converting themselves into 
cricket-specific stadiums. But this is sort of being designed as, at least or, or socialized as, perhaps sort of the national cricket stadium, at least to start, uh, out there in uh, in the middle of the Metroplex there in Texas. Uh, we literally just saw a piece last week uh, where uh, Major League Cricket is actually putting some dollars and interest behind a plot of land in Santa Clara County, California, uh, for a potential San Jose uh, stadium and franchise. So keep an eye on this thing called Major League Cricket. Lord knows that the sport of cricket is um, gigantically popular around the world. And, and of course, like soccer in the mid-1960s, uh, a quote-unquote foreign sport uh, to the American sports psyche. But we all know what's happened to soccer. It's exploded in popularity here and, and the international game as well as a domestic league finally. And, and lots of things have happened with that sport over the years. Uh, there are some parallels as we'll get into our conversation with Steve in a few moments uh, to that uh, that evolution and maybe some le- some lessons uh, to not um, some lessons to be learned and some things not to do uh, to uh, potentially um, uh, get in the way of the new launch of Major League Cricket. Um, coming up next year. And this is what makes this conversation about pro cricket in 2004, uh, the uh, one-year wonder, uh, all the more fascinating. Stick around. You're going to learn a ton about what's going on uh, in the sport of cricket, and uh, you may find it um, intriguing enough to uh, to follow it and maybe even take, uh, take it in a little bit uh, as no doubt streaming of it comes and a, a team might come in your market uh, and it's a fascinating sport. I again, I I am not. Uh, I will uh, tell you right away. If you're a cricket fan and know all the ins and outs of the sport, I am by no means an expert, uh, but I am intrigued by it. And uh, hence this conversation, which I think is very timely. And um, uh, both in the past, as we explore pro cricket in 2004, and the future next year's Major League Cricket, with our pal Steve Holroyd coming up in a moment's time. You're going to enjoy this. It's fascinating. And uh, it's uh, part of our march towards completism. <laughs> our, uh, no, and nobody asked for it, but we're going for it. And uh, we appreciate your sticking around for it. All right. A uh, quick promo thing. And let's get in. Uh, we'll get on our way with our conversation. Uh, let's shine some love uh, towards the general direction of our pal Kevin Schultz uh, in beautiful Florence, Kentucky. I think it's in the Cincinnati metro area, if I'm not mistaken. Three great sites for you, all T-shirt driven and uh, with some uh, extraordinary logos that you will not find in T-shirt form anywhere else. Uh, and we're talking about soccer and and basketball and in ice hockey, especially in the minor leagues um, and forgotten teams in those minor leagues, uh, but also some pro leagues too. So let's go through them in order, shall we? Vintageicehockey.com. That's the place, of course for great hockey gear. Lots of uh, minor league hockey uh, teams of your and their logos in a great uh, t-shirt form and lots of different versions of the t-shirts that you might like. You like the long sleeve, you like the short sleeve, you want to get a hood with it, whatever. Vintageicehockey.com. If you're into hoops, how about reboundvintagehoops.com. Reboundvintagehoops.com. And, and again, more uh, great pro, but also minor league pro stuff. Eastern Professional Basketball League stuff. In there, you'll find CBA logos in there, uh, one of a kind, and you can't find them anywhere else for whatever reasons. Maybe people have forgotten about these teams or logos, but they're all there at reboundvintagehoops.com. And last but not least, if you're into soccer, and who isn't, frankly, these days, especially as 
uh, the uh, the calendar turns and preseason comes up and and Major League Soccer starting in February of for God's sakes already uh, really early this year because of the World Cup uh, this coming uh, winter extra time vintage dot com extra time vintage dot com uh, you want American Soccer League uh, shirts how about the remember the old ASL they're all there um, there's some uh, uh, indoor stuff from the old uh, uh, CISL, there's some stuff from uh, the National Professional Soccer League, the indoor version, et cetera. All, AISA, that's there too for you at extratimevintage.com. And any of those sites, you will get 10% off when you get uh, to using the early and often code good seats. Yeah, use that code good seats at any of those three sites vintagehockey.com, reboundvintagehoops.com, or extratimevintage.com. And enjoy, courtesy of us and our pal Kevin, 10% off all of your purchases. So check them all out. They're awesome, great vintage stuff at VintageIceHockey.com, ReboundVintageHoops.com, and ExtraTimeVintage.com. Thank you, Kevin, for your support of the show. And hopefully uh, you will enjoy those shirts. Uh, and uh, again, as we say, buy them early, buy them often, buy them for your friends. Surprise your, uh, your loved ones with uh, multiple quantities. And uh, we appreciate that for sure. And I know Kevin will too. All right, let's uh, get into it. It's time for cricket. Let's get into some um, some uh, snappy patter, shall we, about the sport of cricket, both past, uh, present, and what's coming up in the future. This is a really interesting uh, subject, and I, I, uh, I'm, I'm pleased to present it to you. Here's our conversation we had with Steve just last week. Please, as always, enjoy. As we get into this, uh, why don't you remind our audience uh, what your day job is, and then let's get into uh, this uh, this crazy cricket thing in particular. Uh, this uh, this this one year wonder that uh, eludes us has eluded us for some time, called pro cricket. And there's a lot of a lot of backstory before we get into 2004 and, and the the uh, coming and going of that. But uh, your uh, your background is not in this world. You're you're about as armchair. An historian as I am, I guess, but uh, coming at it from a different professional lens. Yes, I mean, for a living, I'm a labor lawyer in Philadelphia, representing unions. But you're right, like you, uh, amateur historian, the the phrase that's been used at uh, some uh, things I've spoken at for the Society for American Soccer History is public historian, which I guess means someone without Someone who's not a professor. I mean, I actually have a minor in American history to the extent that means anything, but uh, it's because I, I don't have the PhD. I am merely a public historian as opposed to all the good folks who get to call themselves doctor. And I, I'm saying that tongue in cheek because they're all great guys. I have no problem with that. But yeah, that's my title now. Um, but uh, yeah, as you know, my background was primarily American soccer history, which I've been doing for probably over 25 years. But the good news, bad news is, is that uh, the, 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 some of the stuff I was doing along with Roger Alloway uh, inspired a new generation of people um, to come in and get involved. Um, and so, uh, for want of a better way to phrase it, I felt there was no room anymore. There was this younger group doing more of an academic kind of job and things like that. So I've been uh, shuffling off and uh, getting involved in other sports history projects. Um, again, like you, as, as your show indicates, you like all these dead leagues. I've always been fascinated by them, too, and a number have been underserved. So uh, I was doing, uh, and I still am, professional box lacrosse, 
which is through the crosscheck.com site that I do with Dave Coleman. Um, in the past couple of years, I've been getting involved in uh, minor league basketball uh, prior to uh, basically prior to what's the G League now, which was largely the, the Continental Basketball Association and the Eastern Basketball League. And, um, and, uh, and lately I've been inspired in part because it's a new league is supposed to be on the horizon. I've been uh, doing a dive into the history of cricket in the United States and, and it's brief, but nevertheless informative uh, professional run uh, earlier in the, in the two thousands. Yeah. And look, and, and, and by the way, if you're, if you're a new listener to this, uh, this uh, enterprise, uh, feel free to dig into our archives. You'll see, uh, Steve Holroyd on, on a bunch of different episodes, uh, a, a persistent member in our sort of yearly, um, uh, holiday specials where we kind of just recap stuff that we sort of learned about things and project and predict some things going forward. Uh, but also some dedicated uh, conversations. There's a great one about the American Soccer League. We have a a great conversation about lacrosse. I think a couple of them. Uh, one with with uh, with Dave and and um, I, I think you hinted at this back in December in our last uh, group uh, chat uh, around uh, cricket uh, generally. Um, and I think if I had this correct, uh, you were kind of almost approaching it as. This sounds like a movie we've seen or heard before based on some of the work you've done in other sports, like in particular soccer and, and having a couple of competing entities and, 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 and international organizations uh, blessing or not blessing certain things. It sounds like, uh, if I remember correctly, that you're maybe framing this story that we're going to talk about cricket in the United States, maybe, maybe falling in the same kind of dynamic as, as soccer was finding itself in the mid 60s. No, you're exactly right. In fact, uh, I was I was going to at some point jokingly suggest that Major League Cricket should hire me after listening to this podcast. That's the league that's supposed to start up in 2023. Because as I started getting into it, um, both the model that Major League Cricket uh, says it wants to follow, and also some of the things that Pro Cricket, the league we're going to be talking about in a bit, um, you know, some of the uh, things they were relying upon. It, it's, it could be pulled exactly out of the major pro soccer 1967 to 1984 handbook. And as you indicate, I mean, you have problems with sanctioning from international bodies. You have a, a hugely international game that is pretty much invisible here um, and uh, in featuring nearly zero uh, American-born participation. Uh, and with an ownership group that is that thinks that the sizable immigrant community is going to come out and support the sport simply because they support it at home. And that all looks and sounds good. But as we know, um, that script has been filmed once before to go with your movie metaphor. And the movie was a flop. So the, the saying goes, you know, past his prologue. Um, and you know, with all due respect, I mean, the people behind Major League Cricket would be well advised to look at how soccer struggled uh, in its early days and how a lot of the things that uh, the, these folks want to rely on. Uh, the, again, the same things that pro cricket in, in press statements were relying upon, you know, participation levels and, and, and everything else. Um, that doesn't float the boat. So while you know, I think cricket's a marvelous game. I mean, I, I first got into it 
about four or five years ago. I don't profess to be an expert, but I watch it whenever I can. I get my copies, my annual wisdom almanacs and, 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 and things like that. Um, uh, but so it's, it's a great game and, and it's got potential just as soccer is a great game and had lots of potential, but uh, how, how it, it looks, how it looks like these folks want to sell it again, is something we've seen before and, and they should be cautious. Yeah. And, and um, you know, you, uh, the, the, the origin of the sport, or at least the center of it, right. Is clearly not from this country, right. And we talked about this from, many different angles, right? You have baseball and American football, uh, hockey to a lesser extent, you know, at least being relatively close geographically, um, basketball, certainly. Those are all largely at least North American centered or originated sports. But like soccer, um, cricket is um, literally and figuratively a foreign sport and or concept. And the idea of, of how to colonize the United States, um, you know, when Cricket is by far uh, the most passionately supported sport in gigantic places like India uh, and even other places that lesser populated. It's 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 just it is a it's a gigantically followed sport. But um, like soccer in the 1960s, even though there was a pretty rich vein of of immigrant centric uh, uh, legacy of soccer, um, it's clear that the imported version of the professional sport is not going to be taken very easily or lightly by the supposed fan base that uh, is supposedly interested in it. Right. They, they know that the highest level of the sport is being played in places like, you know, the West Indies or, or in India. No, exactly. Again, it's, it's the soccer problem all over again. Indeed. It's the same problem MLS is facing now. Um, you know, the cricket, I mean, cricket's got deep roots here. I mean, it, it was played at Valley Forge by Washington's troops. Washington himself is said to have uh, uh, played at least one wicket, which was basically he had one turn at bat. Um, yeah, and, and it was running alongside baseball uh, through the mid-1800s uh, until a, a number of factors. I mean, there's always that inherent American exceptionalism, you know, even though there are perfectly good games out there like association football and rugby and cricket, we nevertheless have to spin them off and turn them into baseball and American football and what have you. Um, uh, it, it, it was a, of all things, Irish immigration uh, in, the, in the wake of the famine uh, led to a lot of anti-English sentiment, which, uh, which further uh, turned people away from cricket. Uh, there's there certain class elements. I mean, cricket was uh, you know, an elitist upper class game, whereas baseball was, uh, uh, while initially played by gentlemen, was uh, was adopted more uh, more quickly by the masses. Uh, it was very popular in, during the Civil War because it required less field space, things like that. So, but at least like soccer, it's got roots here. Um, soccer uh, managed to stay above the radar screen much more than cricket did. Uh, cricket here in Philadelphia, where I'm at, we were then and remain now the cricket capital of the United States. Yeah. Now but, let's stop there for a second. Ex- explain yes. that because I, I, I it's it, my understanding of, of the origin of cricket. It, it essentially emanated from uh, mostly a British influence, uh, in particular the Commonwealth of the Territories, where it's still very popular today, or the former British territories. Uh, including places like India, which itself was formerly under British control, right? 
Um, yeah. Is the col- is the uh, uh, the 1700s Philadelphia birth of America coming over from England, 13 colonies thing have something to do with its rooting in Philadelphia in the United States? Um, no, well, I think it was being played throughout in that New York to Philadelphia corridor. The sport remained very popular even after the revolution. Um, and I think that's because it was just a, a natural rivalry between the cities um, as opposed to Boston was a little further out. Um, and, and so, but Philadelphia became the capital, I think, largely in 1833. Uh, students at Haverford College established what's generally accepted as the first cricket club exclusively for Americans. It was like the first attempt at Americans to embrace the game as opposed to uh, the, you know, the, the British folks who had come before and brought it with them. And while that club didn't last very long, uh, it, it, it helped, it made the sport very popular in Philadelphia, and it led to a number of clubs being formed, including the Philadelphia Cricket Club, the Germantown and Young America Cricket Clubs. It was a big deal. And the Philadelphia cricket team in particular would go on tours. I mean, it, it just, it just um, by, by luck of the draw, it, we became the capital. New York continued to have teams. Um, uh, there, you know, there, there was a, a newspaper called the American Cricketer, uh, which was published at least through World War One. They would have standings for leagues in Rhode Island and Connecticut and New Jersey and New York. And there was an inner city Halifax cup. So it, it was still pop. It, it still had enough popularity that these leagues were up and running and it was sort of sitting alongside baseball. Um, and, and indeed, uh, I think it's, 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 it's recorded that the United States played in the first international cricket match um, which uh, which against Canada, the St. George's Cricket Club out of New York, which gave us the Wright brothers, not the ones who flew, but the ones who helped codify baseball and formed the Cincinnati Redlings. Um, uh, in September of 1844, 10,000 people attended. Uh, you know, it was, it was a big enough deal. Uh, as late as 1855, the New York Times was still giving more uh, inches of press to cricket than baseball, but baseball took over. And again, for all those various reasons, I think, and one important one, which is which is we're going to revisit today, is that uh, in 1859, an English touring side came here, uh, kind of like the way the Corinthians did in soccer. You know, uh, when when they were uh, evangelizing soccer in this country, sort of trying to bring it back, and, and the American cricket team absolutely annihilated every American team it faced in that tour in 1859, and and I think it's been it's been surmised that. Again, a lot of Americans decided, or American sports people decided, we're never going to be good at this game. Let's play our own, which again is a very American approach to things, and and I and and that hasn't changed, and that continues to bedevil soccer, and I think it's going to bedevil any attempt at uh, you know a, a professional cricket in this country now. And is it too simplistic to say? I, I, I'm sure the answer is yes, but uh, you look at the history of baseball and where it sort of emanated from. It, it is cricket it's is base is that the root of baseball I, there was this sort of seemingly a uh, 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 secondary game called rounders which i know baseball yes. was sort of founded on but they all sort of feel not unlike american football if you go way back into the origins right association football and or soccer and or rugby right there seems to be a lot of um commonality amongst at least some of the basic uh, components of these of these quote unquote sports yeah, I, I think that cricket 
baseball connection isn't quite as direct as association football then spun into rugby as one group wanted to carry more than the other. And then it spun. Uh, I mean, I think rounders and cricket remain distinctly two different games. Uh, they were bat and ball games. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, um, the, the uh, times batters got to hit and the way bases, it, it was kind of, I'm, I'm, I don't know if it's like the Neanderthal, Cro-Magnon, right. you know, they, they look alike, but they remain different thing. Uh, and it, but for what it's worth, because as you know, I mean, the great myth was that baseball was invented out of whole cloth by Abner Doubleday in Cooperstown, New York in, in 1864, whatever it was. And, and we all know that's a myth now, but um, it, it was clear, baseball is clearly based on rounders. Uh, and and uh, someone, if anyone wants to take the time, someone should go to YouTube and watch rounders. Interestingly, rounders is largely a girls game in Great Britain now. But you look at it and you, and you immediately recognize it. So you can see where baseball um, uh, took a lot of its basic rules. But that said, it's funny, after baseball was, quote, invented, then the cross-pollinization of cricket uh, began, began to become more evident because uh, the cricket clubs uh, that were around at the time supported baseball. They thought it was, a, it was, a, it was, it was an interesting diversion. They, they, um, they encouraged their players to go play the other game. And um, I think it was George Wright. There were two Wright brothers. There was Harry and George. One invented the box score, uh, and, and one was involved with the Cincinnati Redlegs. They were both with the St. George's Cricket Club, and uh, and and they both became baseball converts. And and the the uh, I think it was George Wright was more of a manager. He started taking cricket fielding concepts uh, as far as placement of fielders, and started applying that to the uh, early baseball rules and. And sort of and was refining baseball using cricket concepts. So interestingly, as opposed to like rugby and soccer, they started start they sort of started out more common. Depending on where you played, one there might be more ball carrying hand with the hands than another, and then they sort of split apart. It's almost like cricket and rounders were separate, and then baseballs you know, created, and then cricket starts getting involved with that, and 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 while they remain separate. Uh, you, you start seeing more of a cricket influence after baseball was created as opposed to before. All right. Well, let's talk about cricket sort of now. And again, this is more of, of a primer, but um, I, you know, I went to, I was in uh, India about uh, five years ago for work and, and um, in the evenings when, um, uh, you know, I had some downtime and stuff of watch on uh, Indian television. I mean, I, the, the, the various channels available to me, it must've been six or seven simultaneous channels of different, uh, cricket leagues going on, and, and my the only and it was it was mesmerizing. I I I do not claim to even have a basic understanding of the game. I have some some elements of it, but um, but I, I the the my the quickest analogy that came to my head was there was like sort of this almost baseball like uh, robust sort of minor league uh, system on uh, uh, all underneath this uh, Premier League uh, in India, and it's of course gigantically popular. It's a country of a billion two and can and growing uh and it is by far the most popular sport even to the point of of it being not unlike the nfl here in the united states uh, a driver of media rights right uh, uh there uh, there's a a, a a streaming service called hot star uh that literally put its name on the on the map not unlike direct tv here in the united states with the nfl direct ticket package by gaining access to the ipl the uh, indians uh india's uh premier professional league uh, as the basic way to get on their, 
on the, the media radar of, of Indian consumers. And, and it's still the devil's Netflix and Amazon who still can't compete with Hotstar because of it. But here, the point, though, the question, though, is can you give us a little bit of a background of um, the types of cricket? Because I think that's important as we wend our way into what this league is, because I think it's confusing to the uninitiated. Um, I think a lot of people sort of see the cricket as sort of like a five day long marathon thing that is just a, a, an antiquity to uh, to the past. Uh, but there's also been a lot of effort to kind of, shall we say, modernize or quicken the game uh, over the years. And that's that's important for our, when we get into the United States and, and its forays into it. No, you're exactly right. In fact, it, it's it's it, it is. In fact, those those attempts to if of modernize is the word, but certainly to speed it up. Uh, the sport up, which is what has uh, has led to the, the the boom it's experiencing now around the world. I mean, while it never really went away, as you point out, I mean, the traditional cricket that most people think of are the folks wearing the white sweaters and playing five day internationals that will end in a draw. When all said and done, wind up ending in a draw. Um, that's the purest form of cricket. In that you know, uh, there's no limit to the amount of uh, times you'll face pitches. They're called balls. And I, I'm going to say up front, I tend to Americanize um, a lot of uh, what is going on in cricket by using baseball terms so that the casual listener will sort of get a picture of what I'm talking about. So some people will be cringing as I'm calling them pitches as opposed to balls. But in any event, yeah, that's the all-day thing. And that's wonderful. And purists love it because, you know, the patience when you're, when you're, when you're up to bat, Defending the wicket, uh, you know, staying up there for five hours at a time, inching out a, a century, scoring a hundred runs by yourself. After you know, that, it's wonderful, but it doesn't sell. So over the years, you started seeing what they call one-day internationals and other forms of what of what they call limited overs, which is essentially a way of saying pitch counts. You know, where basically each team's only going to get to see X amount of strikes. That's it's the easiest way to Americanize, and the limited over version that really started to take off because it, it allowed for uh, matches to be completed in less than four hours was what's called 2020 T20 often referred to as T20. And that's where each team is limited to 20 overs. Um, long story short, an over is six bowls, six pitches. So basically each team's going to get to see 120 strikes. Um, if it's a ball, it's called a wide and you get a run. So it's not like someone's going to throw a shutout by just throwing 120 wild pitches, if you will. But that, that did two things. It not only sped up the game, but it opened up the game in that batsmen only, they, since teams knew they only had a limited number of attempts to get runs, you saw much more free swinging. Um, you know, test cricket, the five-day international ticket uh, cricket, that's people basically, you see them, they, they have their stick in front of the wicket and they're basically doing what they can to keep the ball from hitting the wicket so they're not out. And if it winds up being a hit and they get a run, that's fine, but they're being very defensive. In T20, they're swinging for the fences. Uh, and, and what that sport basically basically becomes, uh, the, uh, the, you know, the, the um, analogy I use, it's basically now, it's a combination of the, 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 the game home run derby we played as kids. You know, if you cleared defense, it was a home run. If it hit defense, it was a triple, if it, whatever. Um, 
that's what they had with sixes. If they hit it over the fence, it's a six. If they reach the boundary, it's four runs and run the bases as they're running between the wickets. And it, and taking NFL concepts, the, the, the uniforms got more colorful and the crowd, you know, the crowds got louder. It was, it was exciting. It was faster. And it was a perfect storm of opportunity because around the time they, they come up with a more, a faster, more exciting to many version of the game was also at a time when television was more desperate than ever for live content, because that's the only content advertisers will pay top dollar for in the era of DVR. And as you point out with streaming services, well, okay, now you have these streaming services. Now, what content can we produce that other people don't have? And live sports, again, uh, was something to turn to. And cricket being huge throughout the rest of the world, uh, behind soccer, probably still ahead of baseball. If we're talking about team sports, probably still the second most popular team sport in the world uh, with huge demographic audiences, including, as you point out, India. Um, uh, it, it, it was a, the time is right. And, and lo and behold, it boomed. I mean, there's a T20, the IPL, the Indian Premier League is a T20 league out of India. There's Super Smash and Big Bash in New Zealand and Australia. Um, England's got a version, uh, and, it, and, it's, and it's proving to be very popular. It's bringing younger people back to the games. It's very telegenic because, again, you have home runs. Again, forgive me, I'm using these terms. You have the sixes, the home runs, the big blasts leaving the yard. Um, it's, it's, it's very telegenic. And, I mean, that's a very long answer, but that's really, you know, that, that's really how they got there. They sped the game up. They shortened the game up. Um, and, it, it, again, they use the soccer analogy. It's almost like outdoor soccer, indoor soccer. You know, yeah, I was going to go there knowing knowing that was going to be a thicket of, of, of intrigue to get out of. But uh, I, yeah. I appreciate that analogy because and, and, and again, to all of our, our Indian listeners or, or other countries who uh, you might be listening and we I can't believe where people, you know, download and, and listen to the show. Um, you're, you're talking to two two folks, one more intelligent than the other. And that, that person happens to be on the other line. Uh, about uh, this sport and, uh, and and the dynamics of it, but it's it's hugely important, right? I, and I my little uh, India uh, memories from a half decade ago. Yeah, make no mistake, television absolutely part of this mixture, and, and arguably going to be part of of the mix to anything that comes to the United States now. That's especially streaming has taken hold. Um, you're talking about now uh, a competition uh, that doesn't necessarily last three, four, five days, or even one whole day but perhaps maybe three hours, maybe a little less, a little more, right? That's, yeah. that's uh, NFL football territory. That's arguably, uh, you know, with the full wraparound coverage, uh, a, a, a soccer match territory or a basketball game with overtime, right? Um, that, that's digestible. That's, uh, that's, even less, uh, that's even less in length than, say, you know, a typical NASCAR race, right? So it, it becomes much more attractive, much more, um, accessible, I guess, and maybe that's a key word because it probably now broadens the audience appeal, uh, not just internationally, but maybe to new markets such as, wait for it, the United States. Right. And, and, the United, and of course, and again, it's the soccer question all over again. I mean, while cricket largely disappeared after baseball took over, you know, the turn of the 20th century, by the mid-1950s, you had Indian and West Indian immigration to the U.S., and cricket starts making a comeback. Uh, I think it was in 1961, the United States of America Cricket Association was formed. 
started popping up again in the colleges, but but again, being played by foreign students, you know, the exchange students or whatnot, bringing the game back. It wasn't something being played by Americans. But as you have, um, I, I guess it's the actual terms being used, is we have the continued browning of America, as I think uh, ethnologists refer to it. Um, the, the love of cricket is growing um, in this country. You're seeing it played more. I mean, here, here's something people are, you, know, you and I are about the same age. I remember like in the 70s, you saw those asphalt municipal tennis courts going up with the tennis boom. And then when the tennis boom waned, people like you and me took it over for street hockey, you know, tore the nets down, turned them into street hockey rinks. And then as, uh, but then as ice hockey became more available, more, more rinks got built, they were abandoned again. Now, when you drive by those, you're just as likely to see, you know, a mini cricket match being played. Um, again, by, by Indian and West Indian folks, um, but they, they will set up and, and they'll play cricket in those old tennis courts up here in Philadelphia. I can go to uh, one of the parks and uh, there's not much baseball being played, but on, on a nice day uh, it's set up and there's a cricket match going on. So it's, it's, it's becoming more visible. And then we get to the eternal American love of money and, and sports are hugely profitable in this country, but you know, uh, the days of, being able to form a rival league, like, hey, football makes a lot of money. I'm going to make a foot. I'm going to do a football league. That's really gone because these leagues have been smart enough to expand and make sure they snuff out any competition before it starts. So what you saw in the 60s was, hey, well, all the big sports are taken. Let's bring in soccer. And of course, as your show is documented time and time again, people have tried everything. There's been box lacrosse. There's been world team tennis. There's been professional volleyball. There's some of the stuff you haven't gotten to yet. World World team boxing, which lasted all of one day. I'd love to talk to you about that one day. Um, we're headed by Morton Downey Jr. Um, so it's not surprising that now that we're in the you know 21st century, TV's big. You know, your your audience is not just limited to the city your team plays in, but it's a worldwide audience. That someone was going to decide, hey, maybe cricket is going to be the next big thing, and I want to get in on the ground floor. And that's certainly what was in mind. Uh, the, the folks who started pro cricket in 2004, uh, th- those were exactly the things they had in mind. And also tied in with TV content. Everything we're talking about was what you know, fueled the first attempt at professional t- uh, cricket in this country, modern attempt anyway, professional cricket in this country in 2004. What's this? LinkedIn jobs. Hey, these days it can be hard to find and hire the right candidates for your small business. And that's why LinkedIn jobs made it easier to find the people that you want to talk to faster and for free. You can create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 770 million people. Holy mackerel. I added that part. Focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience and use screening questions to get your role in front of only the most qualified. Then use the simple tools on LinkedIn jobs to quickly filter and prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus the leading competitors. 
LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know that every week, nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash good seats. That's linkedin.com slash good seats to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. And now back to our conversation. All right. What well, one key point that we forgot to mention here, and I think it's, it's a it's a good segue, is T twenty didn't really come into existence until the early part of the aughts, right? So two thousand two, two thousand three, it kind of really kind of got its uh, uh, its start, right? And in many respects, it was almost sort of like the launching pad for what you just described the the possibilities of a more telegenetic product, a more uh, accessible. Uh, and shorter and more packageable uh, presentation of sport. Um, and th- I think that's why it's important. And this is actually kind of new and, and uh, 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 kind of uh, uh, important from my perspective is that pro cricket, as we're going to talk about in 2004, right, is literally just on the heels of the, the creation of the pro, uh, excuse me, of the 2020 version um, of the sport, the T, excuse me, the T20 version of the sport uh, at, at all, right? So it's interesting that um, so quickly uh, folks here uh, were looking at trying to jump on this new bandwagon of a still relatively new version or flavor of this sport uh, right out of the box. Um, I just find it interesting. This is something that's not even 20 years old, this format. Right. Yeah. I mean, while there had been limited over forms of cricket before, you're right. I mean, they, they, the T20 concept was, was jumped on and they did a, a number of things to make it uh, more offensive. There's a thing called the power play where you're limited where you can put your fielders to, again, sort of uh, encourage run production. And yeah, and it took off right away. I mean, it really it, 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 it hit the ground and it was very popular. And right, in no time at all, um, people in this country said, saw, wow, this is really taking off. And uh, maybe this is a, and again, right around the time when you start, you know, the, the, uh, the, the Indian community in particular, uh, as well as the West Indian community are becoming more prevalent or more mainstream, if you will. Uh, and the thought was, Hey, this is a market we can tap into, give them a sport. Uh, they grew up with and love. And now here's an exciting version of the sport. And, and again, even though that was before streaming, Content, live content was still a thing. Uh, yeah, it, it's, it's, you know, the, the folks here saw what was going on with the IPL and the Big Bash League and things like that and said, yes, we, we, we need to get on this too. Let's, let's get a foothold here in the United States. All right, well, let's talk about um, sort of the origins of this league known as Pro Cricket. Uh, it, was, it came and went in the, uh, in the calendar year of 2004. Um, there's also a bit of a backdrop, though. The uh, there's a jockeying for uh, oversight, I guess, of this league. Again, not unlike FIFA and soccer back in the '60s. Um, I, I don't know how much you know about this, but the the it seems like the governing bodies, plural, of cricket, both on the international front and certainly on the U.S. domestic front, were kind of um, uh, sort of in flux around this time, just as 2020 was uh, uh, coming into, into vogue. Yeah, in fact, again, it's it's very much like what 
U.S. soccer faced in 1966 and 1967. You had the International Cricket Council, which, like FIFA, was a pretty well-established, you know, uh, uh, governing body. But here in the United States, the, 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 the United States of America Cricket Association was in chaos. I mean, I think it had been booted from the ICC a couple times. Um, there were uh, previous attempts to do like a um, like a nation's league of cricket, uh, kind of like the uh, with the lacrosse tournaments, the international field lacrosse tournaments where there's promotion and relegation among nations. And the U.S. would say they were fielding a team, didn't field a team. So the ICC was not thrilled with that federation, but it didn't actually go away. And But again, any league would need the blessings of both. And so you had pro cricket come up. And again, like the soccer folks from, you know, 66, um, didn't quite understand why they needed anyone's permission. I have money. I'm gonna, I, I can form a team. I can pay players. Why do I need your permission? So, yeah, it, it, it started in chaos and it finished in chaos because, again, because cricket isn't that big here. No one was really minding the score. Uh, but now there's an opportunity to make money. Um, the powers that be wanted to make sure it was done right. The people who wanted to invest in it didn't really want to play by any of the rules. And it wound up causing problems for pro cricket from the start. So do you uh, is that essentially saying that uh, by not getting uh, the blessing of the then USA CA um, now seemingly been uh, displaced by uh, what is now known as USA cricket um, yeah. or from the ashes of that, uh, that that was uh, part of their demise or do you think it really kind of didn't matter because there was really no pro cricket to, to be had at this point to even get that permission? I mean, was, was yeah. that arrogance or was that intelligence to kind of go that way? No, it's, it's, it's hard to say. I mean, cause the, 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 it begs the question, if they had the top players in the world, would people still come? I mean, or were they still stayed away? I mean, they, as it is, the ICC ruled that because pro cricket was not organized by the US and ACA, the contracted players to the ICC test nations couldn't be released to play. So a lot of the top players who might have been able to come over, again, you keep running back to pro soccer, like with the loan system in the 70s that saw, you know, the George Bests of the world coming out, Trevor Francis top players coming to play here, at least drawing crowds when they were in town, that those players weren't available. So while it it may not have been like full outlaw league status, uh, like soccer had to deal with in 67, the fact is the only players you were getting to play in pro cricket ultimately were those who were out of contract. So they were older, a little past their prime. And while there were some name players involved, again, largely Indian and West Indian, they weren't enough to move the needle. But then it goes back, to a question we're going to revisit, even if this was a world all-star team, you know, even if it was the United Soccer Association of 67 done over again with, you know, with Lancaster Lightning and the India Tiger, the, uh, the uh, Delhi Devils coming over and, and, and playing instead as the New York Bowlers or whatever, would crowds have come out or would they have still stayed away? Probably the latter. I don't know if it, I don't know if it made a difference, but it certainly didn't help. The inability to be able to say, hey, we're bringing Shane Warner, the top Australian bowler, is going to come here and, and show you why he's the Nolan Ryan of cricket. That, that just that wasn't even an option because they didn't get the sanction. 
Yeah, I mean, I vaguely remember it, uh, but it, you had to had to look for it, right? It wasn't sort of uh, widely known. I'm sure it was uh, socialized in certainly in uh, uh, Indian expat communities. Um, my understanding uh, too was that um, it was tied up somehow uh, with um, the uh, uh, anticipated launch of a, uh, a, a dedicated Indian. Uh, television network, Indian programming, uh, I think called the Desi TV channel, American, yeah, Desi. American, yeah, American Desi TV. Yes. Um, now, while some games were televised on the Dish Network, and I think uh, six, the, the final six minutes of the league's lone championship match is available on YouTube. There's no audio, and the and the video quality is awful. But while games were televised on the Dish Network, Dish TV network. I don't know if that was a TV deal or whether it was just, you know, they, they rented space. But right, the plan was to tie it into this uh, dish network, another network, I guess, sort of um, a proto streaming type of idea. And that network never got off the ground. So um, that was among the several problems they had. But this was, a, this was a league that, you know, they were saying they expected three to thousand, three to five thousand fans a game. Instead, they drew in the hundreds. Um, and it's funny, like I, the, the the commissioner was a gentleman named Cal Patel, and and he and he was asked, you know, why are you doing this? Why cricket now? And his answer was, I mean, he said, look, it's the sheer demographics and the need for this sport in the United States. There are like thirty thousand. I'm quoting him now. There are like thirty thousand cricket players in the United States who are at a level of AAA baseball players, and then you have probably about seventy thousand who do it recreationally. Our studies have shown that seven point five million people in the U.S. watch cricket. Well, I've done some checking. I mean, those numbers seem wildly inflated. As of 2006, I think there were only 6,000 people registered um, as playing cricket. But again, it's, it's the soccer thing. Well, people are playing it, so they must watch. And, 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 and I guess, you know, if he was doing some puffery to encourage investment, look, you know, he wouldn't be the first uh, sports mogul to gild the lily a little bit. But, um, you know, it, it wasn't even close. And, and again, the, the the main even with that quote, you can see he was relying on the immigrant communities to come out and support their game. And if he paid any attention to, attention to soccer, uh, particularly when it tried to go major in the late '60s, as we've said a number of times, he would have known that that doesn't happen. I mean, history has shown that um, immigrants love the game and will stay home. You know, in the '60s, it was listening on shortwave. Today, it's just sit at home and dial up ESPN Plus. They will stay home and watch the teams they grow up with. They are, they are not going to go trucking to go watch the, uh, um, the the New Jersey Fire play in a minor league baseball stadium in Bridgewater, New Jersey, uh, with third tier um, with third tier level cricketers when they can watch top tier on television. Again, it's everything soccer's dealing with now. Uh, pro cricket had to deal with then, and they and they totally misread the tea leaves, and um, and you know it was, it was one and done. Well, look, and I and I see. I, it, it seems to me that uh, the ICC uh, internationally uh, ruling that uh, the USACA, the, the the then governing body in the U.S., was not ha- having not officially sanctioned it. That that was essentially a a, a blacklist, right? Essentially preventing uh, arguably the most recognizable cricket players for the community that knew who those players were were prevented from. Uh, from taking part. I know there were some that, I don't want to say cross lines, but were either out of contract or whatever. But it's clear that they were denied some of the maybe top tier 
names that would have drawn, right? And and maybe kind of, you know, uh, stoked the fire a little bit for, you know, the initial season or two, right? To kind of get things sort of kindling and going, right? Where, you know, they essentially shot themselves in the foot by not being able to get to those those top talent to focus. Frankly, it would seem like almost like, I'm guessing not unlike a North American soccer league summer vacation for players, uh, if they were able to come over and, and play in the United States and kind of, you know, uh, spread the wealth and, uh, uh, you know, and, and get some, uh, get some initial interest going and, and not having that had to be a huge blow in the very early days. Oh yeah, no doubt. I mean, clearly if you're going to try to present a brand new product, you, you would want to be able to present the best product. And if you're relying on, uh, the immigrant community to at least be your first wave of fans and hopefully generate interest. Right. You want to give them a reason to come out. And, uh, and yeah, the inability to do that was indeed problematic. Um, and, and, you know, in cricket's a little different. It wasn't so much like the summer vacation model with soccer in cricket. Everyone's got a league. The, the, the seasons tend to be short. Everyone's got a league going on somewhere. You know, the, the world's top players are playing for like six different teams. You know, this month they're in New Zealand in Super Smash. Next month, they'll be in Australia for Big Bash. Come March, they'll be in the Indian Premier League. Uh, come summer, they'll be playing in, in the England County League. So, I mean, um, that, that's how they make their money. They just, uh, uh, it's again, it's almost like the indoor-outdoor soccer thing here, except it's year-round and there's lots of different leagues. So, right, uh, breaking ranks and, and coming here uh, for, you know, six weeks in, in America might have been enjoyable, but if it was going to keep them from being able to play in all those other leagues, it was a non-starter. So, right, if they got sanctioning, if they got their ducks in a row and it opened the door to be able to, you know, I always go to like Shane Warner or, um, or uh, you know, uh, Ricky Ponting, uh, you know, the, 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 some of the big Australian stars, and, and, uh, and I'm not overlooking the Indian players. The reality is I'm afraid to mispronounce their names. <laughs> but clearly, it, it, lots of gigantic players could have been made available from from all the cricketing nations to really get this on the radar screen and not getting the sanctioning was right a real problem from the start. Well, that's really interesting because if, if done right, that that you could get it's theory and maybe this is where um, uh, the newly planned uh, uh, Major League Cricket, uh, supposedly starting up next year, uh, can get serious and substantial enough to get on the shall we call it the international calendar, right? So to be part of that. Uh, top tier talent, uh, you know, uh, showcase, if you will, uh, the being one of those four or five professional leagues that a player might want to be have on their uh, on their uh, their calendar each year. No, that's correct. And what, and what Major League Cricket is certainly doing right is that it is, a, it is aligned with USA Cricket. I mean, it's uh, you know lost in the shuffles. In two thousand nine, there were not one but two other rumored attempts to try to start up another T20 Pro League. Here. One of which was called Major League Cricket, not to be confused with the new one. Right. And the other one was called American Premier League. Um, so, the, the, And one was aligned with New Zealand and the other. Uh, but at the time, again, the, the, the United States of America Cricket Association was so bad uh, that the ICC finally kicked it out in 2017. 2019, USA Cricket comes around. Um, one of those, I mean, the American... Premier League is kind of kicking around. I mean, it finally got around. To, it, was, it was supposed to start in 2009, 2010, 2011. didn't happen. They, they finally did something in 2021, playing all their games out of Yogi Berra Stadium in Little Falls, New Jersey. But that wasn't really 
that wasn't meant to be a league in, in the traditional American sense. It was almost like a world tournament. They had teams labeled, you know, Team Bengal, Team Pakistan, playing one another in, in like a tournament setting, and the winner took home, you know, $200,000. Um, so it, it's around, but it's not really, I don't think it's attempting to do what Major League Cricket wants to do. Now, Major League Cricket is closely aligned with USA Cricket, which gets you sanctioned. Um, you, know, you know, we'll see whether that's a problem if it gets successful. I mean, we all know how a lot of people complain about MLS's close relationship with U.S. soccer. But clearly with a startup league, it's absolutely necessary. And what also what Major League Cricket's doing, right, is that they're um, trying to establish a grassroots. And that they, you know, last year they started minor league cricket. Um, and, and when minor league cricket is running again this year. So that's, got, you know, it's a 2017 league. Um, so cricket's being played and, and, you know, uniforms are being seen. And it's, it's being a nice advertisement for the arrival of major league cricket in 2023. And, and this is a legitimate um, endeavor in the sense, and we talked about this on the December show, uh, you know, MLC was rumored they wanted to be in Atlanta, Chicago, Los Angeles, you know, the, the, the big um, uh, cricket markets because I guess of the demographics, but then out of the blue is it uh, uh, air hog stadium in grand Prairie, Texas, which is the home of the former Texas air hogs baseball team has been leased and is being converted to a cricket specific facility that's going to host the Dallas team. So while it may not be quite the same as a soccer-specific stadium, it's showing that MLC, they're not just going to be hermit crabs playing in, in renting stadiums like the early days of pro soccer here. They're trying to establish, you know, an infrastructure. Um, and hopefully that's a sign that they're in it for the long haul. I mean, pro, pro cricket was supposed to have been funded for three years. It wouldn't be the first league that said it was funded for three years and then disappeared in one. Um, the American Lacrosse League of 88 comes to mind, the first attempt at a pro outdoor league. Same thing. We're budgeted for three years. It was done in six weeks. Um, Major League Cricket looks to be uh, avoiding all that. So it's good that they're, they're trying to generate interest. Um, they're trying to establish you know, a foundation with minor league cricket, which is a great idea. Um, and I've seen it like in my travels, when my, my work takes me places, I, I'll go to various turnpike rest stops. And there's and there was one 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 time there was a family uh, in the back sort of stretching out on a nice summer day, and they all had major league cricket caps with the logo. Um, it's it's worth pointing out it was an Indian family. Now that's not a criticism, but again it begs the question: if that's is that going to be enough to sustain the league, or are they is the league going to have to find ways to? Bring in the casual fan, the dreaded casual fan. Again, going back to soccer, I hate keep sound like a broken record, but there's so many similarities. How do you get the dreaded casual fan, which will call, you know, the, the middle-aged white guy to come to games? And it's intriguing to think. I mean, can you, like, I'm thinking, do you sign recently retired baseball players? Because I, the hand-eye coordination isn't so different that a baseball player couldn't hit a cricket ball. You know, he's not going to be a star right away. Although there's, there's a story, Babe Ruth went to England in his prime and uh, he, he, he tried out cricket and initially he held the bat, the traditional, like when you see pictures of G.W. Grace, the bearded guy who's like the Babe Ruth of, of, of English cricket. He was holding it and, and he couldn't do anything. Then he started holding it like a baseball bat and started crushing the ball into the stands and then, and, then, and then he found out how little cricket players got paid. He made a couple jokes. 
Interestingly, a lot of players hold the bat like that now, but I digress. But, you know, will you sign a couple of recently retired star pitchers, star hitters, and, and get them involved to at least pique the, the curiosity of the, of the casual American fan to come out and watch the game and maybe learn something along the way? I don't know if that's on, our radar, in our, on the radar screen. And, 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 of course, the problem with that is, with all due respect to the game, it's kind of cheapening the game. Because, I mean, these players won't be top cricket players. They would be tokens. They would be selling. It would be, you know, I'm trying to think of a, uh, you know, uh, like, um, uh, well, and uh, I get too deep in the weeds if I start talking about the uh, the soccer league of 1894 that brought in baseball players. But same concept. So you don't want to you don't you don't want to cheapen the quality of your product. But it's an intriguing question. How are you going to broaden the appeal of this game other than just immigrant communities? Because yeah. They're not, they're not, it's not, I mean, history has shown that's not going to be enough. It's simply no, I, not and going I, to be and enough. And I, and I think that's, that's the, the, there's probably the core audience and then there's the adjacent audience and then there's the sort of, uh, you know, casual slash spectacle type audience. Right. And, right. and that's a delicate balance in the early days. I, I, I want to get, I want to get to major league cricket in a minute, but before we, before we do that, I just want to sort of, uh, Maybe put uh, uh, a little more topping on the on the pro cricket thing of, of 2004 because I think it's important. You mentioned uh, this Air Hogs Stadium, which is uh, in uh, the uh, Dallas uh, Fort Worth suburb of Grand Prairie, Texas, and is uh, essentially uh, being rehabilitated from being a minor league baseball park into um, what will be a, uh, I guess, state of the art and perhaps even nationally uh, centered uh, locus, if you will, for the sport of of cricket in the United States and, and essentially kind of the crown jewel of this new major league cricket, but, but a pro, pro cricket in 2004, um, it's interesting. They utilized mostly minor league baseball stadiums with the exception of San Francisco and Keysar stadium, the historic Keysar stadium. Um, the first thing that comes to my ignorant mind is, isn't though, aren't those footprints of, of baseball stadiums and minor league at that um, kind of too small for the, uh, uh, the, the, the 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 girth and the width, if you will, of of playing cricket. Yeah, yeah, but 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 it, it that's but that's not contrary to the spirit of T twenty. Um, uh, because I think they wanted to encourage more sixes again, home runs, if you will, um, more boundaries, um, ground rule doubles. Not really an analogy, but you know, getting to the boundary, you get four runs. Uh, so, and of course. You, you worked with what you had. There are no cricket ovals in this country, at least not anymore. Or if there are, they're not, they don't have seats. Um, that's not exactly true. Minor league cricket, like there's a team called the Philadelphians, and they're playing out at the Germantown Cricket Club or whatever. I mean, there's still some, some places still have traditional cricket clubs, but they don't have the stands. They don't have the infrastructure that, you know, pro sports want to see as far as being able to entertain an audience. So, yeah, I mean, no, you're right. It was smaller. But, again, since this wasn't test cricket, and they wanted more runs. It was almost like, you know, with indoor soccer, let's uh, indoor soccer started with goals, you know, four feet tall, let's make them six feet tall. So it'd be easier to score type of thing. So um, uh, yeah, no one really minded. I mean, the, the, the American version did a couple of other tweaks. They, they, um, they had a designated hitter. Uh, traditionally there's 11 um, cricketers on a field, and all of them hit and all of them field uh, pro cricket went with this 12th designated hitter. So, like, so it was someone who would hit but didn't have to field. Um, that's used in some forms of um, domestic A-list cricket competitions, again, because 
the, the traditional five-day test cricket is slow. And while there's a certain charm that the powers that be realized that wasn't really selling things. Um, uh, they also, with the, the, the bowlers, bowlers in T20 are usually limited to, um, um, uh, the, 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 you have uh, five. So they're limited to four overs each. Again, basically 24 pitches each. In order to speed the game up, pro cricket, they had five pitches to five bowls to an over instead of six. And, and the bowlers could do um, five overs instead of four. Again, just to sort of speed things up. So, you know, it was, it was a necessary evil, but it didn't, again, it didn't do damage to what they wanted to do, which was present the high flying, exciting, big bash version of the sport. Right, which was just it's in, in essence still just getting under underway and sort of uh, uh, right. gaining a toehold internationally. Um, all right, one last question on that though. Uh, what about the markets? So there were eight teams uh, part of this uh, pro cricket endeavor in two thousand four. Um, some interesting geography. You had the New York Storm in Staten Island of all places, um, the New Jersey Fire in Bridgewater, not necessarily a gigantic uh, 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 urban hub. Uh, D.C., the D.C. forward in Bowie, Maryland, uh, the Florida Thunder in Homestead, Florida, right, which is way south of Miami. And then in the west, you had Chicago in, in way western suburban uh, Chicago in Schaumburg. Uh, the San Francisco Freedom were probably the closest thing to being in uh, in a major metropolitan area, that being in uh, Kizar Stadium. Uh, the L.A. Unity played in uh, San Bernardino, which is by no means Los Angeles. Uh, and maybe uh, Texas, the Arrowheads, two words, uh, yeah. in Houston, uh, did play at Cougar Field in the University Cougar of Houston, Field. which is, right? So um, just right off the bat there, no pun, uh, two of the eight markets, if you will, or two of the eight uh, places where they're playing are not even in, I don't know, the, the major urban sort of areas, perhaps where, or, or was it kind of like, let's just find places to play and we'll just we'll promote the hell out of it and hope people will travel to see it. Yeah, I mean, I think, again, you know, we've seen in, in lots of sports, again, going back to soccer, where the teams label themselves a big city and they're actually playing nowhere near it. And that's for TV. You know, you're not going to get big TV money focusing on the Staten Island, you know, wicket keepers and the, uh, and the Bridgewater or whatever. So you give them, so you name them after big cities. It was also practical. I mean, you know, a startup league doesn't want to pay, assuming, even assuming Yankee Stadium is available to be rent. Because um, uh, again, you're going to be having is the the pitch, which is where the ball gets bowled in the middle of the field, and it's dirt and everything else. You, you're going to do real damage to to the baseball diamond. Um, even assuming that was available, you know, you're spending a hundred thousand dollars to rent a facility, and you and even with their wildly optimistic estimates, you're only looking at five thousand people coming in. So I think it was just very practical. I mean, minor league baseball stadiums were happy to rent it out. Um, the, you know, they uh, again we see it with this. Uh, American Premier League. I mean, Yogi Bear Stadium. Come on in, yeah. You can stage your cricket here. It's it's a revenue stream for these small parks, and um, so it was it was you know, it, it 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 helped both sides. I mean, it was a revenue stream for the minor league team, and it was an affordable location that was a big enough piece of ground that you could stage cricket, even if it wasn't optimal as far as size wise. But again, they wanted runs. So if home runs again, forgive me because I keep using that term, but if sixes came more cheaply all the better because now you had more runs and it, was, and it was an exciting product, even if it wasn't necessarily good cricket. Well, we'd love to get Cal Patel. Uh, we've reached out to him on a couple of different occasions and, and maybe perhaps this episode and, and some of your work 
uh, might uh, cajole him uh, to uh, finally come out and sort of tell the story. I'm sure it wasn't sort of all uh, uh, roses and butterflies, uh, probably far from it. Um, but I'm sure there was a lot of optimism and hope and 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 perhaps maybe some opinions about uh, what now seems to be sort of like the second coming of of cricket in the United States. And, and as you've alluded to, Major League Cricket, um, the new version, if you will, or the newly named such, not to be uh, confused with the previous uh, Major League Cricket version, um, is seems to be doing the things that uh, are are maybe not so sexy and, and perhaps away from the public spotlight, uh, but maybe kind of put it in position to at least have uh, a, a decent uh, head start. I couple of things. Number one, I literally just looked at Major League Cricket's website uh, uh, just yesterday and noticed there's an interesting new development uh, with regards to uh, stadia uh, uh, pursuits, right? So you mentioned Air Hog Stadium in, in suburban uh, Dallas. Uh, uh, there's apparently some, some land that uh, Major League Cricket has been associated with now in Santa Clara County uh, in the southern uh, part of the Bay Area. Um, I think it's a 14 acre parcel that looks like it's uh, somehow being uh, brought into this, into this mixture, maybe with the promise of a team and that kind of stuff. So uh, I guess here's the question. Um, what do you think major league cricket needs to do differently uh, and or similarly uh, to make a, a decent go at it this time uh, coming up? We think next year. Is it real estate? Is is it a commitment to a stadium? Is that premature? Is it is it TV? Is it is it getting the the, the brightest stars from from these international leagues? What do you think? Well, it's probably all of the above. I mean, I think, but I think what Major League Cricket is doing right is that they're being patient. Uh, again, we're looking at like a three year, two year startup. I mean, they they rolled out minor league cricket last year. Minor league cricket's playing this year. They're not. And by the way, this is all this is all single entity, I believe, right? Right. Well, no, no. It's an interesting, interesting point. Major League Cricket is single entity. The minor leagues are franchised. The minor league cricket are franchises. Um, whether that's teeing up, you know, whisper quietly, a perhaps promotion and relegation system in the future, I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, but yeah, M- ML Major League Cricket, capital MLC. Is is single entity, but but small MLC is franchises, which is an interesting approach. But again, they, they're not rushing to race out Major League Cricket in a way. Almost wish they did this summer because there may be a real vacuum as far as bat and ball games uh, with with the uh, uh, continuing Major League Baseball lockout. But hey, you know, take your time. That's fine. But they've probably, they've probably learned some lessons from pro soccer and that they realized if you're going to be successful, at some point, you've got to own your own real estate. So, you know, as opposed to Major League Soccer, where while the original design for that league, it said they should all be playing in their own stadiums. But at the time, all you could do was to, it's all you could do to get money for, from people to run a team. It took a good you know, 10 years before they finally started implementing that. Major League Cricket's in a position saying, hey, look, we're white hot in the sense that, again, as we've discussed, people want live sports product. People see, I mean, we're not a niche thing like lacrosse or roller derby or, or, or arena rugby or something like that. This is cricket, the second largest team sport 
as far as popularity in the world in, 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 that can potentially tap into huge television markets like the like India. So if people are willing to give us money, let's take that money now and build the infrastructure. Because the way cricket works, the players will be available. I mean, the, the players are going to be looking for another payday. As long as you're not setting up your league in a time that competes with the other leagues and hopefully isn't running into their to, to their best players to their international red ball obligations, to test cricket obligations, um, you, they'll, they'll, they'll come here and play. It's not like you're bidding like the way the North American Soccer League had to. It's not like you're bidding against the rest or MLS can't now. It's not like you're bidding against the rest of the world to get them here. If you if you get a niche in the calendar, and these leagues are all the other leagues are all short leagues. They're only running like like the New Zealand leagues wrapping up. They play ten games, ten weeks, so they're not long seasons. You find your spot, you'll be able to get the best players to come here. That'll take care of itself. It's still you're still writing a check, but at least you're not it's it's you're not bidding against someone driving up the costs. You know, so no, I think focusing on infrastructure is brilliant because. If you're going to make it, you're going to need your own state. So why go in, why limp in to the less than uh, optimal minor league stadium experience? Although I guess there's going to be some of that. They're not going to have eight stadiums by the time they open up. There's going to be some of that. But at least, again, like MLS did with Columbus and then Dallas and then Carson, you know, if you show everyone else, here's the goal, and they see the goal works. I mean, if, if, the, uh, if the Dallas franchise – is drawing 8,000 a game, uh, whereas the New York franchise playing out of you know, the Brooklyn Cyclone Stadium, say, is only drawing two, it's going to motivate investment into more infrastructure, which is only going to buoy the league up. And, of course, once you've invested in that infrastructure, frankly, it's harder to quit. You know, if I'm only renting a stadium, it's easier to fold my franchise and take the tax loss. If I now own land that's got a stadium on it, that's only going to have any use if I use it. Well, now, now I'm sort of more committed to keeping this thing going. So I think it makes uh, – I think they're making a, lot of the, making a lot of the right steps early on. And I'm not just picking on pro cricket when I say that. I can say, and you can draw on the same experience, we can look at a lot of pro sports leagues that have come and gone over the years, and you see the same mistakes always get made. It really looks like pro cricket by being patient oh, – I'm sorry, major league cricket – by being patient, by emphasizing infrastructure and everything else – by working with the worldwide body instead of fighting against it is really teeing itself up for uh, success. Well, look, and also from a financial perspective too, right? I think we're also in an era now where, and and we'll see how long this lasts as we record this in January of, of 2022, uh, you know, the, uh, I think the days of easy money over the last decade plus uh, and interest rates being near zero uh, and perhaps maybe fueling uh, like a lot of other assets, the pro sports world, which, you know, in the world of crypto and uh, and and gambling and 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 uh, sports franchise consolidation and you know uh, t- t- multiple team ownerships and private equity getting into leagues now, um, I, you know I think there's going to be a course correction a bit. But that said, uh, you got to also give um, Major League Cricket some credit. I mean, they have uh, amassed uh, a um, uh, a limited uh, partner. Uh, constellation of investors uh you know that are you know largely from realms of uh of uh, uh investment banking and, and and venture capital um satya nadella the ceo of microsoft is part of that group ross perot jr is part of this group um the uh, uh chairman and uh, ceo of adobe 
uh, uh, is part of this group. So there are some names, and a lot of, by the way, a lot of these names happen to be have uh, uh, of Indian descent, right? So there's certainly a lot of uh, that, let's call it insider's knowledge and belief uh, that this sport is uh, just uh, raring to go and is probably an, uh, an underserved opportunity uh, that could come to the United States if, to your point, uh, the right things are done. And maybe that is some conscious uh, thoughts about development of, of Stadia and, uh, uh, and, and related real estate. Um, I'm certain that television and video and streaming is going to be a big part of it. Well, I, mean, I, was about to, I was about to say the one thing that major league cricket has going for it, that the early attempts at American professional major American professional soccer did is that while I think there's still a real concern about, you know, whether the demographic you're relying upon to at least first fill your stadiums are really going to be all that interested. The fact is, I think now it's not as important because so much of this is driven by TV, the need for live content. And, and, you know, what I've, from what I've seen, what I've read, one reason why major league cricket is pretty uh, optimistic and, and why you're seeing the investors like, like someone in Asia mentioned was that there's a possibility it'll wind up making money, even if people aren't really watching it here, because folks in India, uh, they want, they want more live cricket content. And so if they're staying up at night, to watch the American League again, featuring a lot of their favorite players, there's uh, there's going to be heavy bidding for those TV rights. So you know, as opposed to what you know, when 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 we go back to early NASL, there was only three networks, and so, you know, other than pro football, there wasn't a lot of money in, in pro sports. Lots of different things. Now, of course, pro sports are at a premium. There's plenty of networks, and there's a worldwide audience. So the the, the TV element and the streaming element and the video element may be just the type of thing that's going to um, bankroll the startup nature of things as they wait for an audience to grow and come to it. Cause I do think um, again, American exceptionalism, notwithstanding. So like you finally saw with soccer, I mean, the sport is great. And once people finally get the, get the opportunity to see it. And again, as opposed to when we were growing up, when the only soccer on TV was soccer made Germany on Saturday afternoons, you know, now, if someone's curious about cricket, they can find it. Um, that uh, it, if the early years, of, if there's early years of low attendances, because the, you know the again the so-called casual fans not buying, and the and the demographic they're relying upon is staying away because they'd rather stay home and watch IPL matches. But if the TV money is able to keep it going to where hey, well I've watched cricket on TV, I think I'll go down to the uh, to the old uh, Hog Stadium and, and watch a game. You know, it'll it'll get the chance to grow in a way. I, I, I keep hating. I hate keep going back to soccer because it's going to turn people off. But again, it's it's a great analogy. In a way, some wound up floating MLS for many years. You know, packaging the TV rights to the World Cup gave it an influx of cash that allowed it to stay alive. I mean, it's a little told story. The league literally had the bankruptcy papers ready to be filed in two thousand two, and then it backed off. Um, but the TV money was what kept it going, was allowed investment in the infrastructure, which is what allowed ultimately signing David Beckham and boom, you had uh, the boom we have now. So yeah, TV is going to be very important and there's a huge, and there is a huge worldwide audience. For it. So again, I like a lot, I like a lot of the things major league cricket's doing and, and, it, and, it, and it, it allows me to be optimistic in a way that say uh, one is not for over say the USFL. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I was just going to say that. I, I am intrigued. There's no doubt. And and Willow TV, which uh, to cricket fans here in the United States is a, a, a subscription uh, a cable channel, but also a, a streaming service. And and look, we're also now in an era of streaming services, which are, uh, you know, not surprisingly recognizing that uh, live sports uh, needs to be part of their arsenal. Um, so whatever live sports looks like in the next five or 10 years, right, I, I, I would make the argument that it might not be uh, traditionally delivered via cable or satellite service. Uh, it might be a renewed version of over the air. It's certainly uh, going to be found in streaming environments. And to your, to your point earlier, it's it's more it's you know, it's everything is available. Right. And so may may a thousand niches sort of bloom. Well, those niches can be substantial, right? They could be in the tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands. The, the lower economics of streaming uh, could make for um, a, a, a successful ad and or subscription type of service. And look, as we're seeing now with some of these other, uh, I won't call them lesser known sports, but uh, lesser publicized sports, at least in the United States, um, in, in some respects, all you might need is a Netflix miniseries devoted to the behind the scenes of like they're doing with uh, formula one. And that sort of got a lot of people interested in formula one in the United States was that sort of documentary series that, that dropped on Netflix last year. Right. So it doesn't take much, frankly, to start to, if you will, generate some curiosity by, in this case, maybe the, the founding and the running of, uh, of a new, uh, of a new cricket league. So, uh, you know, uh, stranger things have happened and maybe handball will be next, but uh, uh, yeah. Let's just let's let's get this one out there. And the uh, where can people follow you, Steve, and your cricket uh, endeavors uh, specifically, and then generally for the other sports that uh, tickle your fancy once in a while? Yeah, I'll, I'll lead with an apology. You know, I didn't realize until too late that Twitter had a list function that would allow me to like segregate my various interests. So instead, I kept setting up different accounts for my various interests. So the cricket account is at Yankee Cricketer. Um, my basketball stuff is at in the low post. My soccer stuff is at soccer Maven, M-A-V-N. My lacrosse stuff is at lax Maven, uh, also M-A-V-N. Um, there's cross check. That's cross with an E dot com for the lacrosse history stuff. Um, my, uh, I have a YouTube page. Only the ball was Brown, which has a lot of old, uh, uh, recently colorized. I've taken the colorizing a lot of old, uh, 1940s, 1950s, 1960s, uh, pro and college basketball footage. I have a podcast, Only the Ball Was Brown, that talks about early pro basketball, 1920s, 1930s, you know, the, the very early days of the game. Uh, the, 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 and the name, for people who don't get it, it's a riff on Robert Peterson's great book on Negro League Baseball, Only the Ball Was White. It's not, you know, a, a MAGA-esque pining for the good old days. Um, it's a, so, so don't be put off by the name. Just enjoy the content. I think that's it. Uh, I don't think I've, I mean, I have a hockey account, but I don't do anything with it. So I'm not going to mention it. <laughs> but, all right. um, but yeah, it's, I think, I think that's all. All right. Well, la- last question and, and more from an historian's perspective, right? So we did mention at the top of the show uh, that pro cricket in 2004 did indeed have telecasts, albeit on, uh, I don't know if it was pay-per-view or some dedicated channel on Dish, Dish Network. Dish, Dish, yeah, I, I, yeah, what was pay-per-view? I couldn't tell. Yeah, yeah. Any any uh, leads on possibly getting any of that footage? Uh, not yet. Uh, again, uh, I, I, and I found over the years a number of good archival film sites uh, 
Not yet. I think because of the dish stuff, and I guess initially people, uh, I don't know, VHS didn't operate with dish or it was too complicated. It, it, it doesn't seem likely. Indeed, the footage that's out there looks like someone filmed it with his phone, filmed the TV screen with his phone. Um, but, you know, the hope is that, you know, podcasts like, like, this, like this episode or wherever I wind up posting any subsequent research about this league, or with the run-up to Major League Cricket, with people asking, hey, wait, this was tried before. Maybe that'll start to pop up. Um, I'm trying to find the stats, and it's frustrating because the Pro Cricket's old website is accessible through the, inter- the Internet Wayback Machine. But the problem with that is that it, it, that doesn't always capture, like, the, the links within the page. So all I have the complete schedule, and I can tell you, it got no newspaper coverage. I mean, it's, uh, at least not on anything that newspapers.com is carrying. But the webpage, there's a link for, you know, box score. Oh, okay, I'm going to hit that and just download it. No, you hit that and it's dead. So, you know, hopefully, um, maybe, as you say, after having heard, heard this episode, maybe Mr. Patel will want to talk about it. Um, again, I can appreciate that he lost a lot of money and, and, uh, and may not feel overly obligated to help Major League Cricket by sort of publicizing it. But, if Major League Cricket gets successful, he, 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 he should want to be remembered. It's like, uh, if you will, like the Dennis Murphy of the sport. Um, and hopefully he'll, and hopefully he's got some stuff and he can share it with us. And, uh, and, and, you know, because cricket like baseball has a lot of cool stats. So it'd be nice to get the stats out there so people could see, you know, these are what great players do. Here's what their run averages are like. Uh, here's how you can tell who's good and who's not and, uh, and have some fun with it. And it'd be nice to, to get the, uh, the first attempt at pro cricket here in the mix. All right, you uh, San Francisco Freedom fans, you Chicago Tornadoes uh, aficionados, you uh, fanatics of the Texas Arrowheads and all the other teams that were part of pro cricket in 2004. This episode was and is for you. Hopefully we can find uh, Cal Patel and, and maybe some of the other folks that were involved in uh, the launch of pro cricket in, in 2004. Um, I think it's interesting, especially now that uh, the new league is uh, uh, going to be up and running very soon next year, Major League Cricket. Uh, in many respects, you could uh, already start to give uh, Cal and his uh, his friends some credit for um, arguably being a little too early, but you know, still foundationally being very important. Uh, in the uh, ongoing story of cricket in the United States on the professional level. Uh, It's fascinating. We're going to keep an eye on it for sure. And um, we encourage you to do the same. If you want to follow uh, Steve's uh, historical exploits uh, into cricket and the United States and and their conjoined histories, uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Yankee Cricketer, C-R-I-C-K-E-T-E-R, at Yankee Cricketer. Uh, that's the uh, specific place where uh, he does all of his um, uh, findings uh, on the sport of cricket. Of course, though, you can follow him on his other Twitter feeds for his other uh, sports history exploits. At In The Low Post on Twitter is his place for all things historically basketball. At Soccer Maven, M-A-V-N, no E, uh, for stuff in the realm of soccer. And at Lax Maven, M-A-V-N, no E. Uh, for his uh, missives and discoveries in the sport of lacrosse. Um, Let's see. Our thanks to, of course, our pal, 
Jerry Payne. I don't have a Twitter feed handle for him, um, but hopefully he'll get on that and, you know, we'll have a place to follow him too. But until then, you can uh, just, uh, you know, uh, keep him in your, uh, in your, uh, in your thoughts and, uh, you know, and ensure his good health to continue to twiddle knobs for us as he does so elegantly uh, for the last number of years. Uh, Jerry Payne Audio Excellence, thank you, kind sir, for your efforts this week, as always. And uh, thank you, great listeners. We appreciate it. Uh, thanks for sticking with us this week and uh, hopefully some fun stuff for you next week. More great stuff w- ahead this year, for sure. Lots of great stuff coming up uh, as the year rolls on. And uh, we uh, encourage you to stick around, put us in your feed. Uh, don't forget to visit us at goodseatsstillavailable.com. That's where all of our old episodes are, of course. Uh, and if you want to send us email, it's hello at goodseatsstillavailable.com. And follow us on Twitter, of course, at goodseatsstillavailable.com. Uh, you'll find us on Instagram too and, and Facebook. You'll find us. Just, you know, do whatever. Thanks a lot. We'll see you next week. Bye bye. <laughs>